Wake up in the morning after the weekend to get an update on the NRL. Illegal counsel. Wake up in the morning after the weekend to get an update on the NRL. My legal counsel. Hits of the weekend scandals on Monday. A story from Jack about the urinal. My legal counsel. Welcome back to Legal Counsel, coming at you live on a spring-worthy Sunday, Sydney Portier afternoon. You could not wish for better rug- running rugby league Sunday footy if you tried. We are 19th July. We skipped a week last week. That was all my fault. Um, just family up the wazoo happening and just, you know, getting in the way of the great game of rugby league. So my apologies to the listeners out there. As always, coming at us live from Melbourne, Victoria, the COVID hotspot of Australia. One test thunderino controversially axed board member. Jack, how's it going, mate? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Rui Hardy. Uh, not a bad not a bad day down here either. Actually, I think the rain's going to come in on the Arvo. But, um, yeah, just went and had a family walk with the, with the family, obviously, and uh, carried the boy home on my shoulders. From the shops. I mean, that's fucking basically my gym workout these days, carrying that big, big boned um, raw fella. Raw bone, raw bone. But, but in saying that, one of our one of our great listeners, uh, Tavali, um, a couple oh, a month, a couple of weeks ago, his boy was around playing with my boy. Mm. So I was in the office, and you know, he's obviously got Polynesian here to drive, and so I'm so used to picking up Trevor, and he came in the office jumping around on the bed behind me. And uh, I had to pick up Mika, his boy, far out. He was just, like, dense. Um, just great Polynesian genes for um, carting it up for the storm in a few years, I tell you. So I'm sure Tavadi's looking at some junior pathways for, for his young fella to go through, j- just like I am. Just, there's nothing better than when the storm bring Melbourne-born and bred players through. Like, young Tonuma player, obviously not a great player. Had his moments... Um, and I also believe the Tongan centre with the mud flat Mahe yeah. Fonua as well. Um, another one, another one's Chance Nickel Clockstad. Um, mm. is a Melbourne junior. Did he? He didn't play. No, he played what two games of the Storm? Did he? Yeah, I don't know if he played grade, but he definitely played. Uh, he might have played Toyota Cup. He, played, he definitely played the Toyota Cup for them. Um, you know, we have a decent listenership. We have. Between sort of sixteen hundred to two thousand two hundred listeners every week, and many would say that Peter Valandis is eavesdropped on the show from time to time because there are different things that we have said in the past and recently that are getting, you know, actioned very quickly at NRL HQ, and one of them is bringing back the Sunday two p.m. game, and today. We've got the Warriors hosting the Sharks at Warrior Stadium up at Gosford, 2 p.m. onto a 4 p.m. game. You cannot get a better lineup for a Sunday afternoon time slots than a two and four, can you? No, you can't. And I, I mean, I mean, I culturally, 
uh, for our generation, the Sunday, you know, what are we? We're now getting towards late thirties now, and the Sunday day game, uh, the Warriors playing, has culturally, we're, we're so many, much of our sort of young adulthood, even mm. teenagers, has been based around the Sunday afternoon slot for mm. the Warriors. We've had pure joy and uh, and a lot of pure. Um, debauchery i guess as well watching it and just just the lowest of the low ratting because it's just a you know we've obviously from a, a culture of drinking heavily on saturday night so it's just something brilliant to watch hangover um i've probably mentioned it on the show before but big listener alex coming he used to watch the warriors um university days in dunedin they would commit to to warriors ratting as much as they could they would draw all windows down so it was almost pitch black but a you know probably a very mediocre tv in the corner and they would order kfc buckets and we're probably talking duvets or sleeping bags because it's so fucking cold down there uh gas heaters on just leaking what was it moisture everywhere those are those old school gas heaters and then you end up trying to dry your clothes but they four days later they're still damp and you can't sort of work out why um, yeah. and that's how they watched Warriors and they even when it was a beautiful day outside they thought that the pitch black atmosphere just added to it um, and you're right like we just get dished up pub games week in week out and we've kind of that's a that's a cruel which way which isn't too bad which isn't too isn't too bad I'm a big I'm probably one of the bigger fans of pub games um, as I've said on the show before and that's maybe because I live in Victoria mm. but anyway I'm but I think we'd, I'd rather a bit more of a mix, to be honest. Um, Rank your time slots for me. Split. Rank your time slots for me. Like, what's your top three NRL time slots? Or what? For Warriors games? No, no, for just no. just your pick of it, if, if you had to allocate your top To be honest, my pick is the 3 p.m. Saturday. I love that love time. I mean, yeah. I, I love it. And then it'd probably go... Uh, then it would probably go... Oh, it's obviously changed. I'm a father now, so... I love Thursday just because there's footy on. Mm-hmm. So it'd be definitely okay. It's going to be Saturday three three o'clock, Sunday four pm, mm-hmm. Sunday two pm, then Thursday night footy, then pub game, then Friday night footy. Okay, and then Saturdays. The Saturdays are quite hard because socially and fam- family wise, it's hard to sort of watch them. I feel, especially in Victoria, where there's you, you guys are blessed up there just to. In any sort of establishment, there's a fuck. You guys need to. You guys don't know how lucky you are. Well, I I consider myself blessed to live in the the heart of rugby league. Every single uh, every single day, I wake up. Um, but you're right. That three pm Saturday game. If you can get a win on the three pm Saturday game, you'd like fuck. What me? This is fucking Christmas. I've just won, and I've got back to back football games to either punt, drink through. You know, or you know, just watching the corner of your eye when around the barbie or a drinking or hand. get or get ready to go down to the pub with your mates oh, and, and just watch another one. You're around a lot of Warriors fans, just the joy and the vibe. Oh, I liken it to when you finally got your first root. Like just the monkeys off the back. If you win a three p.m. game, the monkeys off your back. <laughs> you know, like there's just nothing dragging you. Do. You you can walk yeah. on water. After winning it's a three-team Saturday game. And, and talking about the Super set late, yesterday's was, I thought, fucking brilliant. Like, to be honest, um, and if we go right into depth in terms of, like, game plans and tactics, I'm not really going to be able to give you much on that because I was sort of, I was kitchen-based a lot because what I had to do, I, I cooked dinner, so I was roasting potatoes, as I told you, and stuff like that, and just sort of had the league in the 
background. Mm. So it was, you know, oh, it's just one of those things. I looked up and saw fucking Montoya just drop that ball. Just looked horrific. It was just a – and then I was able to um, – the 7.30 game, Manly Power, was the one game I was actually able to get on the couch – got the kids to bed because I've done all the work cooking dinner and that. And then I was just able to fuck. And I just got into a groove that second half. Cause I, oh, and I wasn't in, in a classic, classic meal. I wasn't listening to commentary. Right. So fuck, it was good. Just got into a groove watching that para manly game. Thoroughly enjoyed myself. I actually did the reverse. Like wholeheartedly committed to the dragons bulldogs. Yeah. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It returned to win stadium. Dragons get out to an early lead and, Look like the Dragons that probably people thought pre-season, you know, it's pretty decent side, good roster. And then the Dogs just, they've done what they've done every year. They've just been fucking, they try hard, they execute, they get close, and they ultimately fall short. But, and I have to give a shout out to Oz Dog, big listener of the show. And I've been a Lachlan Lewis fan for a while, and I, I don't know why he doesn't make the team all the time. And, and uh, there's so many parts of his game I really like. But when you're getting dropped for Brandon Wakem, you've got to kind of like look a little bit deeper into him. So yesterday he was looking quite good, but outside when Kieran Foran was there, and I'm I'm his biggest fan, Kieran Foran. I absolutely adore him, and I know he's made of glass as he's injured the same toe that ruled him out in 2018. I hope that's not serious. But when he went off, Luke, uh, what's his fucking first name? Lewis. Lachlan. Lachlan Lewis fell apart. And his managing of that game when they were up by 10 was nothing short of, of ridiculous. And they gave the Dragons a sniff. And he could have put a field goal over. He could have, you know, he could have closed the game with decent kicks and, and decent options. But the scores were tied. And he threw a, a cutout ball to create some space out left to one of the worst players that the NRL seen in the last five to 10 years, Marcelo Montoya. Um, and I and I don't like saying that because I just lo- I I want him to be good for a few reasons. He's got Chilean heritage, Fijian heritage, and you know the 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 Fijians are becoming a force in World Rugby League. And if he was good, that would really help. Them. He he's the only he's the only Chijian I've ever heard of in my life. Half Chilean, <laughs> half Fijian. Like that is just you know we're blessed to have him, but he is he's just so. Bad. The dogs, he's not as no, mate. I'll give. He's not as bad as Kieran Holland, Dutchie. Well, well, they had Holland and Montoya in the centres, and and I've dined out on this last year. That's the worst centre pairing in the history of rugby league, and they've gone back to it. There's something but, in and deeply, deeply inept in that. Um, in yeah, the do, dogs club. If if a, if a first grade side is running out Dutchie and Montoya in their centres, we cannot have a seventeenth team. In fact, we've actually got to. If they're running out, we've actually got to start consolidating. The, 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 the game has not got enough talent without pilfering Super League to, to have another team. Yeah. That, that, I mean, really? that's just case in point. Yeah. There's, too ma- there's too many players in the Dogs team that shouldn't be playing first grade. And there's also, you know, there's other clubs as well that have got some really average players. You know it's what? Not- I think we're actually, I think that we're actually seeing now the, you know, when League sort of lost its way, the Super League war... Correct. Type stuff. I think we're seeing now the, and I don't know if I've said this on the show now, the 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 dearth. No, it's the opposite of dearth. The antonym of dearth of talent. There's just not the talent there. And I think that's because the Super League War in those early two thousands, I think, early, was it late nineties, mid nineties. Radio were good at rara. Hmm. 
that I think that I think the parents kept their kids away from league, and I think we're because what's that's twenty years ago now. So exactly, that's where we're sort of just not seeing that. We just don't have the depth of talent anymore. How did we have once have twenty teams in '95? No, because we, and, and and there was there was a problem with talent there. I guess like if you go through rugby league project, you'll see some bludges, but there was definitely more talent, right? Because there was more. For a start, more people played sport, junior sport, right? Mm. And rugby league was the option for you know middle to working class people. Whereas then it switched Super League War, and then Rara were able to make a bit more inroads, and you know you lost a lost a you lost a generation of say North Sydney fans, right? Like you you work around that area. There's oh, league the people there. That, um, I, I mean nothing. If if the, if the North Sydney Bears were still in the comp. I'd be walking out of the office for a Thursday night and I'd walk, you know, I guess a K, 1,200 yep. metres down to North Sydney Oval and just walking through the back entrance there and into the Oval. Nothing would give me more. And that's why I was so devastated with the COVID because the Warriors had the Roosters. So next week's game was actually scheduled originally for North Sydney Oval. And it and was would, just... And, and, and do you think I would have been up there for that? Yeah, and it would have been me ticking off North Sydney Oval of, of my, on my grounds list, which is... Quite, um, quite me, yeah. De- devastating that, that we got to miss that. So, um, the dogs... Oh. But I want I just want to talk about the Dragons, right? Corey Norman's the dumbest player in the NRL. There's no one thicker. There's no one that has a lack of, you know, awareness of a, of a, of a game situation. And they were up 12-0, and they could have put the fucking the dagger in, and he was just doing chip and chases from his own half. You know when people... It's a very Warriors um, mid-2000s thing to do, to get up 12-0, 14-0, 16-0 early, and then blow it. And that's Corey Norman, to a T. But one thing I think... I've criticised him a lot in the past. You've got to play Matt Dufty every week, and you've just got to roll with the good... The, the, you've got to roll the good with the bad. He is fucking electric in, in attacking situations. Like, he was the most dangerous player on the field yesterday. And that's not saying a lot when it's Dragons versus the Dogs. But his his pace and ability to beat a man and create space and put someone else into a hole makes up for his kick returns and his, you know, him being terrible in the air. And I think what he just needs is someone like McGregor to go, right, you're our fullback. I'm not going to drop you all year. Just go out there and play footy because fuck, he can do some brilliant things, Matt Dufty. He's so quick. Yeah, it's not a bad theory. I mean, you're you're right. The the pressures of, and that's the thing. I think um, when you're a coach, say like a Trevor Tre- uh, Robinson or a um, Bellamy, where or Stuart, where your your job is not sort of in question as much, you can just pick and stick. I just feel like with Mary, he's just. He's almost in survival mode, so he, he has to sort of knee-jerk. And I think, I mean, that's a good theory. I've never thought about it because I've never sort of ra- never sort of rated Dufty. Oh, no doubt what he can do. I can still remember that try against Roosters. Dragons Anzac Day. Uh, Roosters mm-hmm. Anzac Day. Was that last year mm-hmm. or the year before? Like, I mean, it's phenomenal. And you just think, you, you look back and think, fuck, that's good. that try is going to be immortalised. Do you Kevin know what I mean? Lock- and, Kevin Lockish, isn't it? You know? The, yeah, the, yeah. But I mean, Kevin Lock. He for all he's it. done, it's it's not gonna because the Warriors get no media conference, uh, media attention. But you, what when I what I can remember where I was is at a pub in Melbourne, Sydney. I saw Dufty score that try against mm. the Roosters at Anzac Day. I was with my my daughter. We're about to go to 
it might have been the Warriors. It was a, it was, it was Anzac, so I was about to go to the Warriors Storm game. And uh, I thought to myself, so it was last year, um, and I thought to myself, that try is going to be immortalised for like years to come when they're going into Anzac, uh, you know, all the build-ups for Anzac Day game. Mm. And then I thought to myself, fuck, but like in 10 years we're going to go, Matt fucking Dufty? Like, what a flash in the pan that bloke was. And, and, and I've said, tongue-in-cheek, that he's, you know, he's just the um, this generation's Nathan Stapleton, who also, no, Nathan Gardner, sorry, who also did a phenomenal try at their Sydney football stadium against the Roosters. Against the Roosters. Look at that yeah, try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, um, one and of the everyone after tries. that tries saying he's going to be like the next fucking, uh, you know, Gary Jack or Tim Brasher. Do you remember, like, you used to get those old VHS videos, um, and they'll be like 101 great goals, and it would just be like old school Premier League. And like, I remember going down to the video shop mid to late 80s, sort of when I was in the football, sort of early rah rah, probably my pre league days. We'd get one oh. of those out, come back home, you know, a couple of bags of cheesels and some Coke and sit back and watch that for two hours and just go and fizz up in the backyard for a couple of hours. I, what, I soccer? Think, yeah, soccer. And then yeah. you get the old 100 greatest league tries would come out. A few years later, there was one that I think it would have been on video as well, but it also used to come on when just when there was a scheduling um you know, either cricket, rain during the cricket or something like that, and you just rip on 101 great tries. Yeah. yeah. Someone needs to put together 100 greatest tries of the last 10 years because there's some fucking crackers out there. And that Dufty one and the Gardner one, I think are pretty pretty safe to say they'll be in the top 25. Yeah. Was was that – were those 101 great league tries, they were um, – they had British League as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just, just seeing it on YouTube. It's there on YouTube if you want to go back and uh, read I'll, it. I'll tweet the link out and um, and we'll also share it to the to the email to, to the team. But uh, yeah, there's there's some fantastic tries, Dufty. Anyway, it was also like Nathan uh, Friend, I guess, like a good footballer. But I mean, he'll be remembered for that hail mary uh, try against the Storm. Remember? And we did we win that game. What yes, game? we did. Oh, the yeah, try yeah, that Nathan, yeah, yeah. Nathan Friend the got the ball into the... Eh? I think that's the last time we beat the Storm. Yeah, that was... That was brilliant. Mm. Um, onto the mid-game yesterday, who they weren't favoured because of no Luttrell, no Campbell Graham. They were down 20-0 and came back and almost won. Did you think that Tom Burgess try was a try? It's one of those ones where I think I was battling between watching uh, the game and barfing. And I thought I was like, "Oh, that's a try!" And then I came oh. back. and I'm like, "They didn't score it. Wasn't they?" Oh, no. So I, I, yeah. So I watched that live and thought, "Try just from the angle that you had on the live angle and Tom's um, uh, reaction." But then once you saw the replay, he definitely did lose it. So it was. Oh, I mean, it was a fair... Yeah, I mean, fuck. It did have me thinking last night though, because some players are. So Regan Campbell, I'm switching to the next game, but Regan Campbell Gillard like should have scored a try in the last ten minutes, right? Mm. And he got up and basically, you know, the bloke he is sort of said, nah, didn't get it, didn't get it. And then when you watch the replay, like he didn't get it, but there was always the chance like there's always the chance of clangers in the um in the uh booth, oh, as we know, in the in the um 
the burrow down there. We were like, what's it called? The uh, the bunker. And I thought to myself, he's a professional rugby league player. Like, you probably shouldn't go, nah, I haven't got it. You probably just have to just be deadpanned, just not even say, if you're a professional, I don't reckon you should claim you've got it or you haven't got it. Mm. Do, you know, yeah. do you know what I mean? Because, like, yeah, I understand. I'm try, but, because yeah. sometimes you don't know. And I think, you know, obviously you've played footy. You've never had a third um, umpire rolling, but you pretty much think you've scored everything, don't you? Or is that just me? That's like, you know, I think that every LB, that when I was bowling, I think every LB <laughs> was plumbing from. I knew whether I scored or not. I knew. I mean, mm. if I put pressure down, I mean, yeah, who knows? I don't know. I didn't have video. So maybe some of those tries that I did score, the video ref would have said, oh, uh, what uh, separation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, separation. yeah. But, yeah, and the cricket's a funny one too. Like, um, you know, you had the Gilchrists and that, to, um, you know, who walked. No, he walked, didn't he? So he walked. Gilchrist and... walked. Yes, 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 he walked. But, like, at the end of the day, these guys, and that's all good for their personal brand, brand, you know, to be a lad and, you know, the village cricketer. You know, you walk if you're out and all that. But, like, fuck, like this is professional sport now. They've got bunkers getting paid big money to make the calls. Make them make the call. Oh, don't make Jared Maxwood make a call. Fuck me. Has he got has he got photos of Verlandes in some sort of like Greek uh, anal yeah uh, uh, like orgy? freak freak situation that is involving like high profile racing identities, colorful um colorful racing identities, and you know and all kinds of you know uh, ladies of the night. For, for want of a different term, because the fact that he's got a job is, it's just insane. You know, when you see how quickly just useless people and all other facets of life get kicked to the curb, Jared Maxwell, just just watch his decisions in the next 20 minutes, uh, sorry, in the next sort of 20 weeks worth of games if he's still there. He, he fucks up every second one. He, he's that, there's no worse a feeling, eh? When, when you think it's a try and you're just like, right, you're high-fiving your mates and then they, and then, they just keep doing that reverse replay. Like I've got so many tormented memories of when they're looking. It's like they're looking for something, and you're just like, "Oh no, don't! Please don't find something." And then they find something, and you just fucking tee off. It probably happened today, mate. The with the Warriors game. So I do want to ask you, Harry. Yeah, mate. The Manly Warringah Rugby League Football oh, Club. Gee whiz! I mean, that is why. Let's not hide it. We fucking love that club, don't we? We love that club. That was just they came out of the I came out of the gates and just I'll call that an ambush. And oh, that's no doubt about it. That is a Des Hasler ambush one oh one. Look it up in the rugby league dictionary and you got Des Hasler um half his earphones on, pointing hard at the screen, holding up a microphone as he's shouting down instructions while they're up by six points in a game that they were, no one tipped them to win. That is a fucking ambush. Oh, and, and what really makes me think about like I know, I think we both picked them for the Premiership, and, you know, a lot of, they lost to, they've not had a couple of, well, they lost to the Parramatta, I think, unfairly, but they've actually just, like, you could argue they've just beaten Parramatta twice. And, and then... Everyone going on about how Paramount is a shit-hot team and, you know, could be premiership contenders this year. The Manly Warringah Seagulls will have, yeah, okay, 
if they meet them in a qualif- a semi final this year, oh, they're, um, they're winning that game. It doesn't matter where Manly with Turbo with Turbo and AFB on the field with with and if Dylan Walker who may yeah, or quite. may not you know end up the season as number six, he might actually end up being a utility off the bench. He may move to the centres. I think Cust- Cade, Cust- I mean, Cust is good, man. Uh, he does uh, what you need him to do. See, I like Cade Cust, so this is where I'm thinking with Manly and what Manly do. I think that if, if they have a good look at Cade Cust here and they go, okay, we're starting to get a bit of a combination between him and Cherry. Do we just put Dylan Walker out in the centres of Surly? Maybe Brad Parker drop Bad Parker back or he goes to the bench or Dylan Walker's just that super sub off the bench can play multiple positions probably go into the jersey 13 if he wants to easily play dummy half he's done it for New South Wales come off the bench and throw a few crisp passes but Manly they just this is why Des Hasler is is a you know in the holy trinity oh the holy he's on the Mount yeah. Rushmore of current coaches with Trent Robinson yeah, Wayne agree. Bennett and Craig Bellamy you know we he he keeps you fucking glued together when other clubs would fall apart, and he knows he's just got to keep this team above five hundred until Turbo comes. He did it last year, and he's going to do it again because that's what Des does. Last week was a fucking embarrassment, and I thought that they would have flogged the Dragons. The week before that, I actually called that the ambush game when Newcastle came to town. I still thought that they would have won. They were hard done by. Don't write off Manly. Jamie Soward named his eight last night and had the Dragons in eighth spot ahead of Manly. And Jesus oh. fucking had a go at him for it. It's just outrageous. How can you so, write off la- Manly? Last week's show, or the, or the week before show, we talked a little bit about um, uh, what are cult players. Mm. And I think we've got a beauty cult player. Brad I Parker. think he's developing into a beautiful cult. Well, we've actually got a couple of them. I think Brad Parker, no mm. doubt, is No cult. doubt. But I think his other centre partner, Mosisi Suli, is a brilliant cult player. Like, his story to first grade and the way he is just a big baby. He is a big baby with all the skill in the world. He's, I mean, is he a million miles from, this is, people might go, you've lost your fucking head. But is he a million miles from Latrell Mitchell? Like, his talent, he's clearly never going to get his body in prolific shape. He's got that rocks diamonds, but probably way more, way more diamonds, but he's got a little rock in him. You go back, you go back to, he's under Des Hasler. Des Hasler will get that out of you. And the ones that, um, you know, the tigers and dogs could not get out of him. Yeah, that's why Des Hasler and Bellamy, I think, they get, now Trent Robinson's got an amazing record, but look at the team Trent Robinson has. And I don't think you can really say Trent Robinson has taken players that are either on the scrap heap or, you know, on their last legs and he's turned them into really good players. And I think that's where you actually... And, and Bennett's had amazing teams and handpicked his teams in the past. And I think there's a, there's an argument... And I've got Bennett... Uh, sorry, I've got Bellamy as my number one coach. And, and I don't think it's close second. And I think Hasler's in that realm because they take players that are on their last legs or your Brian Norris of the world or your Moses Suleys and they just get so much out of them. That's coaching. But hang on, hang on, Harry. You go, you're, you're looking absolutely adoring Des Hazard at the moment. Mm. What are all our great, and I reckon we might have 10% of our listeners might be dog supporters thinking. Well, Des Hazler got a fucking average team to a grand final in 2014. It was he average, re- wasn't it? 
he revolutionized rugby league for two years in 2012 when he brought in the ball playing front rowers of Dogzilla and James Graham. And he had a team with Josh Reynolds and Chris Keating in the halves that made a grand final. Like, and Tony Williams scoring your try, but also fucking missing the worst tackle on Burgess. Yeah, okay, maybe you're right. If that's not coaching, if that's not coaching, and Mitch Brown running out in a couple of grand finals, what what am I missing, mate? Yeah, he it's is good. unbelievable. Um, let's let's get off the fucking manly wank fest because we could probably go a day. We've only got ten minutes to go until until the Warriors um have their undefeated home record of the season under under threat. But I want to go to the listener question of the week. Okay, this is from um, Oscar Harding of Ramwick, soon to be Ramwick, um, current Shire resident. He said, I want you guys to talk about players that overplay their hand based on their skill level. Bryce Cartwright, Josh Reynolds, Lachlan Lewis, and he said Elijah Taylor, he's going to be deader against Elijah Taylor. And I don't yeah, think, I really don't think that he, he is in that upper echelon. But for me, it's like in the NBA, they call it like a heat check. It's like when you walk out there and you have that big dick energy that you think that you're the best player on the ground when you're not. Like Dion Waiters const, constantly gets um, referred to, and he's not a great player, but he gets out there and he, and he has that attitude that he thinks he's the best player on the court. Yeah. Um, very good examples there. Josh Reynolds just um, comes to mind. Bryce Cartwright again. Um, and I, I think Lewis, maybe, maybe. Anyone else from your end that just has that, like, the difference put, between what he is and what he thinks he is? You've put me on the spot here a little bit. I'm thinking like, off the top of my head a... A real disparity. Anthony Milford? Yeah. But he doesn't even get... Is Anthony Milford in that realm? I think... Like, we know what he can do. Yeah, I think he's actually got the skills, so he's yeah, got as many as much natural talent as anyone. Um, Corey Norman again, he's yeah. blessed with talent. He's just a fucking yeah. idiot. So, so I'm getting, I'm almost getting them around the wrong way here. You want someone that hasn't got the skills but thinks he's got the skills. He carries himself a certain way. Um, Jackson Bird, oh, but he does again. He's got the skills. Yeah, I mean, I actually think he's probably nailed it. Cartwright. Danny Levi? Reynolds. Ooh. I mean, Danny Levi's he, just a guy, isn't he? He's a he's jag. Just a guy, but I think he's, he brings that sort of deal. He's got that Dion Waiters attitude. He, I think he thinks he's better than he is. He's got that, you know, when your chest just puffs out just a little bit um, and you think you've got it. I want to also address, so we don't really have too much. I'd say Mitchell Moses. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but... but... Like, although we hate him, he, I mean, he does have skill. But he I, thinks I, he's the best player on the planet. You're not doubting his skill. No, I, I think he's got a great level of skill, but he thinks he's in the... He probably thinks he's as good as Jonathan Thurston. So I'm saying the disparity is still huge in between where he thinks... He probably thinks he's an immortal in waiting. That's the way that he yeah. operates. And if, yeah. and if you took look at the Joeys or the Stacey Jones and the... They're very humble. Um, no, just oh yeah, I mean they probably don't realise how good they are. Like they would, and that's why they would, especially th- I can still remember Thurston. Like there was t- times there where he would just the ball would be on the ground no matter where on the field it was. He was there. Like he was. Mm. He, it was almost like he had to make up for his failings by just putting in 
every effort to be on those one percenters. He, mm. But I mean, in reality, he didn't need to. But he, he was there, and that's why I loved him. And a lot of people think he's a great. Um, agree. Now, I just want to. We've got limited moments, and there's a couple of things I want to hit really quickly before we go to our Sunday predictions. One of them is the rumor, and fucking strange rumor to come out on a Friday night. Um, in the middle of a Warriors head coach hunt, who reportedly the options are um, Griffin, Todd Payton, Sean Wayne, Jason Rolls, who I think may have pulled out as well or uh, isn't as keen, and then the Walker brothers. And this guy, Andrew Moore from ABC Grandstand, just basically came out and leaked it and said it was a one-year deal. So there's two really interesting things there for me, which says a lot about um, where the Warriors are at at the moment. It must be this new owner that the Walker. So it's leaked out that the Walker brothers, and, and this could easily be their manager leaking it, which happens with players to put pressure on the Warriors, see what the fan reactions like, see what the media happens, and you know if the media goes up and basically goes fucking great, 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 the Warriors are always like, well, the people want it, so maybe we do sign them. But the, yeah. the one-year deal is interesting. Because that, for me, signals that they either think they're going to get Bennett or Bellamy. Yeah, I have heard that theory. And I mean, and if you're going to give a coach a one-year deal, it would be that those guys, right? Exactly. Because they, like, it could go horribly wrong and you've only got a year. I don't think anyone can, can do a job in a year, especially in a high-stress um, high um, environment like the NRL. But I'm just more wondered and like, so they're a package coaching deal. So say if you normally pay, say, Anthony Griffin 650 grand a year, do you yep. pay them both 600 or do they get 350 each? I reckon you'd so I think, yeah, about 350 each or whatever, and then they just live together. Or do they say, <laughs> or do they no, say, do they say that we don't need the assistance? So you're going to save the assistance salaries. We're going to basically come as a package deal. We're going to get the yep. head coach salary of 650. And the assistant of one fifty, we're going to get basically four hundred and twenty-five each or something. Probably, and I mean, they you know they're brothers in that they would live together and all. I mean, I don't know if they because that's a thing too. Like, imagine if you Sydney teams do have an advantage, right? Because like you could go, oh, I don't know, you've you've invested your your family's all at a school and manly and all that, mm. and you've got other you know seven other coaching options. You don't like have to uplift your schools to another kids. country. What's that? Yeah, to another country. Like if you if Craig Fitzgibbon's like right, I've been offered the Warriors job. I really want it. And his missus has got she might have her own business. Yeah, in, exactly. Yeah. In Sydney, they've got two to three kids in Sydney schools, all their family and friends, and they're like, hang on a minute, I could get this NRL job right now, or I'll probably have the dogs in two years and the dragons in two years if I want it. Do I just hang fire and Politis will pay me in a paper bag and a few fucking, you know? A few cars, like it is quite interesting though. Like the, some of the Aussie uh, Warriors imports that have actually made, have actually got a real affection with. And there's a, there's two that come to mind for me. So Steve Price, when he retired, stayed there. He stayed in New Zealand for quite a while, and I think that was just because his kids were sort of starting uni, maybe still at high school, maybe. But he, I think he did love New Zealand, and because we loved him too, right? He was just a great league player and the type of person. I guess New Zealanders like because he never big noted himself but got the job done on the field. And the other one's actually Brent Webb. So he's a North Queensland boy, played some great football when he went to the Warriors, then went back over and played a bit at Leeds, but now is back labouring in New Zealand. So he's, Brent, he's Brent, got an affinity with it. Is he? 
and Auckland. So he does a bit of um, like assistant commentary for the Barakad Cup or the National Provincial Games. Yeah, so he's he's a Kiwi now. And I mean, famously, Ivan Cleary didn't want to leave. We offered him a two-year deal. He wanted three, and that's why John Hart left the club. And that's why Nathan Cleary doesn't play for the Warriors or Kiwis. People forget that. Nathan Cleary would have lived probably, of his 21 years, would have lived 16 of them in New Zealand. Wow. Is we that still the biggest made, what if? We would have made the Kiwis, but he would have been a good half for us. <laughs> he, I guess, pushed... For the Warriors, Warriors, I mean. I mean, of course, he would have pushed Johnson to six. Cleary, it'd be real. It'd be four and like. Um, all right, we've got three minutes to go. It's a short show because we can't miss we can't miss our team on our game. I'm going to hit you with the Sunday predictions. And last week, I think we were one from one each. Yes, maybe? I think so. Um, Warriors Sharks, Warriors Stadium, Gosford, two p.m. So it'll be our first loss at Gosford, won't it? Nah, no way. Yeah. We can't. We can't. The Sharks got lit, lost 50 points last weekend against the Panthers. That is just not who you want to be coming up against. Warriors 13 plus. <laughs> ah, good on you, mate. I hope you enjoy it. But Wade Graham will just play, just dominate us, I reckon. Okay. So you've got Sharks? Yep. Mm-hmm. Panthers, Panther Stadium, host the Cowboys. 4 p.m. game or 4.05. Panthers, I mean, how can you not? I mean, if there's an upset, there's an upset. Good on it. Good on them for coming into town. But all sense and reason suggests that the Panthers win that one by 20 points. So I'm going Panthers into Warriors. Warriors into Panthers. And I'm going... Sharks and the Panthers. You're just yeah. going reverse jinx base. You know that the Warriors are going to win. Oh, mate, I, f- I hope they win, but I just feel, especially the boys going home in a I couple think that's why they'll do it for them, because they've got the Roosters next week, which is going to be too hard, but I think this is their last chance, like, yeah, and fucking protect the home ground. Interestingly, Sean Johnson's first game ever against the Warriors. Really? Yeah, because last year he didn't play that game in um, Wellington, did he? I thought he did. I thought there was a big media beat up about it. Or did I fuck that up? I can't be bothered. We don't have time to look it up. But I mean, one minute till we get the huckers and the anthems. Uh, well, I think Sean Johnson did. Uh, the one when Blake Green got a field goal. Uh, no, he played five eight, okay. and they they lost there. Yeah, good win for the Warriors. Unsuspecting. I went to a gig actually after that, and um, oh yeah, got so. Off head and really? so dog boxed, it was just about four or five days worth of trying to make up for it. Pub game, what who was the gig? Local natives at the Oxford Art Factory. Oh, nice. Um, gee, was like I sometimes lie in bed these days thinking about 2018. Yeah, well, what, what do you get to be a Warriors fan? We, we were fucking good. Okay, anyway, it's 2 p.m. We've got to go watch a couple of games oh. of league. You gotta love your league. I love you, Lee. If he leaves me now, 
It takes away the biggest part of me Takes away the biggest part of me. Ooh, no, Roger, please don't go. Ooh, no, I just want you to play.